This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with intermediate driver, Andy. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> is it all right if I call you intermediate driver? You're not a new driver anymore, are you? 2018. So I got about three years in me, but I feel like that's my secret calling. <laughs> like, like driving? Na- yeah, NASCAR's next. Do you remember the times I took you out to, to uh, Portland International Raceway and we were in the parking lot and you were squeezed yeah. behind the, stu- <laughs> the steering wheel of a Volvo and yeah. we bunny hopped around the parking lot? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I don't think I ever yeah. got out of neutral maybe with, uh, a little with, bit. With Oli in the car. and Yeah, no, that was fun. I barely fit. It was great. Uh, and now you have a mum car. I do. It's a, uh, it's a grocery getter and I'm so quick at getting the groceries. Are you? Yes. I, I I just want to say, I sometimes do the video chat with you when you're driving home from work, mm-hmm. and it's fun to see you behind the wheel <laughs> chatting. I look you're, so official when I see myself, like yeah, something's you're, going on. You're on, you, you have your phone on a little mount there, and you chat with me. Probably this is all illegal, I'm sure. Uh, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, you chat with me, and you're like, hi, buddy. I'm, on, I'm in traffic. Look at me. <laughs> look, I'm a big boy. I'm, I'm all grown up. That's it. I've got big pants on pulled up under my arms. <laughs> I'm driving home. <laughs> I've got a real job. Yes, that's right. I'm an adult. If you uh, are unaware, Andy and I used to have, <clears throat> with a third partner, I would say, uh, we used to have the number one morning show. We did. And uh, afternoon show. and I mean, I think we were number one for a week. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'm putting that straight on the resume. Yeah, right for on one top. week somewhere. We were number one. <laughs> had a great show. Uh, and now you're on the car show with me because you have that fresh little. Did you get your? Um, they have that. What is that new driver's license now? Did you get one of those? No, I'm gonna. I was. I think I real was, ID. It's called. Yeah, I think I was the second to last person to get an old one. I got one. Look, you want me to get it out? Yeah. That's how the new driver's license looks. Oh, let me see that. This looks very much fake, but it looks cool. I don't know why there's <laughs> three dolphins and a dove, but go Oregon. Yeah. I can't wait to get this. I can't wait for well, that you, to expire. Do you, do you have, you don't have an Oregon driver's license. You have a Washington. No, don't. I'm riding dirty. Are I, you? Yeah. No, I still have my Oregon one, but look, this is not that, not that everyone at home can see. Oh yeah, you have an but, old fashioned one. Yeah, it's one. an old one. I can't. That new one's When nice. I see out-of-state license plates, you know, I have, a, I have license plates from other states, too, mm-hmm. and license plates. Licenses from other states, too, because obviously I've lived in mm-hmm. other places. They don't look real. They really I don't. See, uh, I see in California, you know, Michigan, I see people pull out their license and I, oh, is that real? It always did throws you, me did off. Did you get on the w- interwebs? <laughs> yeah. How, <laughs> how much printer ink did you use on yeah. that? I don't know. Are we the only ones that are horizontal? Most places are vertical. That throws me off. No, I, I was a vertical in, in Oregon, which is where we live. I mm. mean, well, I officially live. I'm not here very much. You're right. But when uh, when they're vertical in Oregon, it's not. You can't drive with it. Do what? you know that? Yeah, it's so not a real driver's license. That's when it they turn it into an ID. And oh. when it's when it's horizontal, that's when you can drive with it. So it's an ID when it's vertical, and when it's horizontal, you can drive. Gotcha. I think. Hey, if if you're a member of law enforcement, or you know, maybe you could just 
let us know. Yeah, someone from the DMV. Ping us on social media or 503-225-0860, I think is the number here, the studio. Just let us know. <laughs> I, want, I want someone from the DMV to call. Yeah. You have free no, time. DMV don't have any free time. <laughs> have you ever been there? Twice. That's uh, it. I was in and out of the DMV to get my real ID really quickly. And then I talked to friends in like Michigan and Chicago, Illinois and California. It's a day event here. What are you doing in and out in like an hour? What? It's a day event for anyone in California. Oh, no thanks. Hey, packed show today, peoples. Uh, three listeners, all of you. Thank you for coming to work today. Um, there's, we're going to talk about a lot on today's show. We're going to talk about the new Tiguan from VW. Um, Tiguan. Okay. I'm just checking. Do you understand how car names work? No. There's they, a lot there's of vowels. A, there's a car. And mm -hmm. VW is an interesting one. They used to name all of their vehicles after weather systems. <laughs> what? Really? Passat. Why don't we have a... Golf. Oh. You know, the rabbit wasn't after a weather system. <laughs> 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 kind of whole naming fell apart with a rabbit. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. They used to name them after weather systems. Oh. And then they stopped. And now they name them after bizarre towns in New Mexico. The ta Taos. Taos. Yeah. Uh... Passat was the Tiguan. That this is a great one. If you don't, Rob, if you didn't know this, the Tiguan is was a magazine in Germany had a competition for people to name the 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 SUV, uh -huh. and the person that won it took Tiger and Iguana and put the names together, and that's how they got Tiguan. What? Yeah. That's when, true. When the v, when's the VW Liger seven day forecast coming? <laughs> well, you could, I don't know. Let's talk to you know a couple of weather guys and see if they want to name the next one. I have questions. Yeah. What about um, what are some of the the storm systems? Maybe the v, VW Huracan. Yeah, the Huracan. <laughs> uh, the VW Heavy Rain. Yeah. The VW could be seventy five. Tornado. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yes. Absolutely, they could get aggressive with it, and that they have that Sharknado movie. They could steal that. Yeah, if we carry on like this, we're not even going to get through what's on the show. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about what's hot and what's not, uh, what's selling around the country and what isn't, and mm. how the semiconductor shortage and the tire shortage, which you may not know about, but there's a tire shortage. Japan, have, um, Japan, China have stolen all our tires. Rude. Yeah, very rude. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Lincoln Navigator, which you're really into. I'm happy about You this. like rap music, yep. and you love the Lincoln Navigator. The Honda Civic, the 2022. It, I feel like Honda refreshed the Civic every 20 minutes. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. It's, it's, they're like the Legos of cars. You can They're interchangeable. There's so many parts. I'm looking at it now. It looks like an amalgamation of a Civic, uh, uh, an Accord. It's and still the number one selling retail sedan in America. Numero uno. Numero uno retail sedan in America. They don't sell to, uh, not that there is any rental fleets anymore <laughs> because of COVID, <laughs> right. yeah. but they don't sell to rental companies or they don't do fleet sales. So it's the number one retail car in America. Hmm. There's a new Explorer out uh, called the Timberline. You know the Timberline, the, like the clothing shoe? shoe? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Timberline. Nuh-uh. Yeah. I feel like that's a fresh upgrade on the Eddie Bauer. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, Eddie Bauer is so like <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> right. So yeah. we're, we're, there is still a little behind with Timberland, but I'll take it. You can ask them what happened to Eddie Bauer when we talk to oh. Ford a little later on. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about uh, all the EVs and autonomous cars with Anton Wallman. He's my friend from Sweden. You'd think he was from Russia, and he's very dry, mm. but he's so intelligent. Mm. Like, he, you and I, 
mm-hmm. amoebas in a dish, a petri dish. <laughs> Anton, <laughs> yeah. like super monkey brains with wires hanging out of it. He's so intelligent. Oh, man. Yeah, but he, he's that intelligent that he, he opens his mouth and I I feel like my whole brain went to jello. I already feel inferior. Yeah. I mean, I, well, we should both feel inferior. <laughs> We're on the right. Ra- we make our living on the radio, right? So right. we're yeah, definitely inferior, and and then we'll talk about some of the latest news. Um, we're going to delve more into why there's a huge car shortage. I mean, I told you, you saw my Lexus when we left the driveway today. It's beautiful. It's worth five thousand dollars more than I paid for it uh, four or five years ago. Just because three the, or four years ago, the way yeah. things are now. Just because car prices are just ridiculous. Interesting. Um, the Mitsubishi Outlander uh, I got to drive recently, but in my driver right now is the Outlander PHEV, which is their plug-in hybrid vehicle. It's kind of spooky when a vehicle just runs on electricity alone. So big as the Outlander PHEV. Yeah. But you were impressed with the super handling all-wheel drive. I just want to know if that's proprietary, because you know there's there's all-wheel drive. I get it, but this is super. Uh, was it super handling all-wheel drive, or did I misquote it? It's it's, it's super all-wheel control. Super S- all-wheel control. S-A-W-C. S-A-W-C. Um, Mitsubishi used to make their all-wheel drive systems for other car companies. That's how advanced. You don't think oh. of Mitsubishi as a car company that is so advanced, Mm-mm. but they make they do a lot of engineering for other car companies. They wow. are that advanced. And they're so, I guess into their product that they will put a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty behind the powertrain, just, just like Hyundai do and Kia do. Straight out of the gate. Yeah, and, and the new Outland is great. But the PHEV, um, I've been very impressed with this, the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. It's a sort of a crossover. Uh, it's based on the last version of the vehicle, not the current Outlander. Uh, I, it's about $36,000 uh, before the state and federal incentives. Uh, which is in, you know, it works for 48 states uh, around the country. Um, 126 horsepower, 148 pounds-feet of torque with, with the 60-kilowatt rear axle-mounted electric motor, which replaces the 70-kilowatt unit. Combined, a total output now increases to 221 horsepower, which is up 31 horsepower from the previous model. Uh, I actually love this thing. It'll do 22 to 24 miles on a single charge, and it goes a top speed of almost 80 miles an hour, 79 to 83 miles an hour on just electricity. It's pretty scary going that fast with silent running. No doubt. That was a heck of an aggressive statement, man. There's a lot going on in that. Um, I like to be able to do about 20 miles on electricity alone, and it's an SUV, and they've had it out for quite a while. They're not one of these companies that is newly playing in the the plug-in hybrid electric. Uh, And then just for $36,000, before the tax credit, you can get on $20,000, and it's a big SUV. Yeah. And I mean, being in it today, driving around in it today, I was impressed by the technology, the screen size, the amount of room in there, yeah, the it, cargo space. It it's nice. It w- it really was, yeah. Uh, and the, plus now I have the the charger. I have uh, the charge point charger in my garage. Nice. It, it just takes just hours instead of overnight charging to get it up there um, to, to be usable too. All right, well, we got a packed show coming up. Uh, are you going to participate in the show today? I'm here with you the whole time, my friend. All right, we're going to um, get very impressed. Coming up, we're going to be uh, talking to Mark Gillies about the Tiguan. I want him, I want to see how he says it. Right, because I probably say he's English. Oh, nice. So he probably says Tiguan, too. Tiguan. Tiguan. I feel like there needs to be a little more flavor in it, the Tijuan. Uh, then it would be a Spanish. Tiger Iguana. 
I mean, VW is that progressive. Yeah. Well, this is all new, and he's going to tell us all about it coming up. If you want to uh, see uh, our videos or listen to previous episodes of the show, ourautoexpert.com. Stand by. More to come. Here we go. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Well, check it out. This is Our Auto Expert radio show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. We talked about this in the last segment a little bit, but uh, VW... We should probably look it up to see the names of VW vehicles, but they used to name them uh, after weather systems. Names, names of VW vehicles. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. It's made some really cool cars. A lot of other people. I don't. I, I think it's nice when you name VW or you name vehicles after things. A lot of times, if you name vehicles like just you know numbers, the A72 mm-hmm. gets to be a little boring, doesn't it? Yeah. So the Jetta after Jetstream. Okay. You know, um, uh, yeah, Jetta after Jetstream. The Tiguan was the Tiger Iguana. We talked about that. The Atlas after the Greek god, the the, the Titan, dot the god. Mm-hmm. Um, the CC. Uh, mm-hmm. No, that someone got fired because of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Eos. Uh, I don't know about the Eos. Oh, it comes from the Titan god as, as well. Eos. Oh. Uh, the Turag was named after a small village, I believe. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 the story that I want to tell about that is someone from Volkswagen was stranded and made it to this town, and they gave him water and milk, <laughs> and he lived. Milk. Yeah. Uh, the Turag SUV. The Turag SUV was people of the Sahara Desert inspired the name of the SUV in uh, style and spacious and encouraged... Uh, the Springfield drivers to see new insights and experiences and experience new venture adventures because this people of the Sahara used to have see great insights and have great adventures because they are deprived of water <laughs> and it was all the Sahara's hot but people survive there because they can find water <laughs> oh okay if they didn't find water they wouldn't survive all right yeah you know you're right so um, yeah but the weather systems was uh, the the Gulf of course the Gulf Stream. So they Man. used to so they named some after weather systems. I guess saying they name them all after weather systems was kind of you know that's kind of cheap and sad. And they threw in that's not true. A they, couple of gods. They, there's in there. a there's a lot of different reasons. Okay. But I kind of like you know, the fox. They had some some animals. The fox, obviously, the um, beetle, and the beetle and the rabbit. They're named after animals. You know, I was a fan of the rabbit. That was an undervalued card. It was like a small golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a cheap golf. No, I, I don't want to say cheap. That's rude. An inexpensive golf. I could never fit in one, but was, they look great. It, if it was fast, they would have caught it the hair. Oh, my gosh. Rabbit. We, we need to send... Who's who's the contact for VW? We have Mark ideas. <laughs> we got ideas, sir. Uh, then there's lots of vehicles that didn't make it to the U.S. called uh, Le, the Lavidia. The Santana, the uh, the Polo, the Polo, yeah, whoa, that's a huge European car. It's huh. like a mint. You know, when <laughs> I went, it's like round mint <laughs> with a hole in the middle. The Polo, yeah. Um, when but I th- went, that's to, a weather system too. I think the Polo is it. Yeah. 
when I went to Cabo last year, yeah. I saw some, I think, Cabo-exclusive VWs. Oh, the Up. Trucks, yeah. The Up. Yeah. That's a tiny little VW they have in Mexico, the Up, I think. That was cool. Um, and the Arteon, of course, is the, is they have a bigger one called the Bora. Um, yeah, they do. The, which is a bigger vehicle. Uh, the Levida, Levida, Levada, the Mago, Ma, um, Ma, Magotan, Magotan. Mm, that sounds uh, like a big god, doesn't it? With yeah. multiple arms, the Magotan. <laughs> oh no, level forty Magotan. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like it. The Passat, it? of course, we had it in the US for a while, but they took it away. That was uh, the Passat was uh, Weather System Two, I think. Mm. Um, and of course they had that. And then there's a lot of vehicles that you have. We just didn't get here. So, and they have lots of, you know, the, the Viritus. Um, I, I love looking at some of their names. I like the, the, the golf, the golf variants that they had all over the U S they're in. So the Atlas of course is you know, the one of their biggest sellers here. I like it. You know, the Atlas Sport Sport Cross as well, mm-hmm. which is their two two row versions. But now they've gone to these IDs, the ID three, the ID four, the ID six. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's that's pleasing like number wise. Uh, you know, it's easy to keep track of inventory. The T Rock was always fun, but it's the T Rock? Yeah, it sounds to me like a very cool dinosaur. Yeah, we need to What's bring your favorite that? dinosaur? The T Rock? <laughs> yeah. The T Rex's cousin. Yeah. The T Rock. Talagon? <laughs> sounds like another <laughs> sounds like another big monster, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it? a wild Talagon. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Fighting the Talagon? <laughs> Level forty two. <laughs> and the Taos is the new one, and that's named after uh, I think a village in New Mexico. Taos? Taos. Again, uh, a Volkswagen employee was stranded because <laughs> they needed water. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of Volkswagen employees get stranded a lot in your imagination. Man, they, well, they get in an Uber and it's not, you know, a VW and they start talking about it. Then the Uber driver tells them to get and then they get stranded. The Uber drivers that they get into these cars don't sound very nice. <laughs> and by the way, can you get an Uber to the Sahara? Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> they got an Uber to the Sahara and yeah. they got stranded. Yeah, they got sand wheels. Huh. You remember the minivans that they that VW had? I always thought they were good. No, they had minivans. The Turan. The, the what? S- yeah. Why didn't had, they put more like promotion well, budget want, in that? You want to you want to know the real reason? Tell me. Because Chrysler made them for them, oh. and, then they, and then VW put the front on. It was just different. I oh, think, nuh-uh. yeah, they were like town and countries. Oh come on. They were great though. I had friends that owned them. They really liked them, but they were just Chrysler. Ah, see, I'd have a lot of questions. That that happens a lot. Really? Yeah, a lot of car companies make cars for other people. Mitsubishi, Nissan, they, you know, Chevy, Nissan, they swap vehicles. Huh. They rebadge them. I wonder if Fiat makes, like, the front ends of Maseratis. No, no. That never, never happen. But Fiat do Fiat and Dodge swap vehicles. Don't anything. tell me that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Fiat makes some Dodge vans. Oh, come on. Yeah. So you got the, the Fiat uh, Ram? Yeah, <laughs> not rant. Yes, they Stop. do. You're absolutely true. I'm so mad right now. Uh, yeah, my yeah. whole life is a lie. <laughs> Dodges are Fiats and Fiats are Dodges. Not the trucks, but the vans. Yeah, in in Europe, the Fiat vans are Dodges. The vans over here are Dodges. The small ones. Nick, I've the only city. been driving for three years. The I can't handle Pro. this, man. <laughs> a therapy begins at noon, everybody today, <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, our auto expert where the truth is always uh, right here in front of your ears. I'm con- so confused right now. Are you? Uh-huh. Do you want to sit down? 
I just I need to breathe through my ears for a minute. Yeah, breathe through your ears. If you want to get more truth, uh, the podcast is available at ourautoexpert.com. You can listen to it there, see our videos, and of course, read insider car stories about your next ride. We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Truck Girl Jen's out today, but this is Our Auto Expert, and it's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just send us a direct message to Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, We're joined by uh, Andy, who is an intermediate car driver. That's me. I feel like it. Like, three more years, and then I'll be pro. Will you? Yeah. So it takes six years to do that? I feel like it. All right. Uh, car sales, uh, you'd expect with uh, the shortage of car production and the fact that we are short of semiconductors and there's a new tire shortage looming, that things would be pretty tragic. Well, we're going to find out uh, from J.D. Power and Associates. Tyson Jomini is joining us to talk about how uh, sales are looking. Uh, Tyson is the Vice President of Data and Analytics. Uh, Tyson, thanks for joining us again this month. Uh, first of all, I have to ask you a couple questions. Did you know you were going to be a math whiz when you were in high school? <laughs> um, I, I don't know how to answer that, but uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed the math, Nick. You did. Mm. You're, you're always like sitting there doodling with numbers, and uh, you knew you were going to be a vice president of some kind of adding up numbers. <laughs> That's right. Uh, some people thought it was just sarcasm, but um, you know, it's actually me being very analytical all, all my life. So. Oh, all That's right. good. That's good. Uh, so we're looking at a horrible shortage in semiconductors, somewhat of a shortage in vehicles, and it uh, looks like the tire shortage is looming to it because of a shortage in, in, in rubber. Uh, how is this affecting the auto industry overall when it comes to new car sales? Yeah, that, that's the thing. You'd think it would be affecting auto sales, um, but we just set a, a crazy sales pace in April, um, it, the fourth best sales pace we've seen this century. Um, so, and, and the things that beat it, like, you know, number four, well, what, what was stronger? Well, you know, October of 2001, the Keep America Rolling campaign, um, that beat it. And then the time that GM launched employee pricing for all, that beat it. But th- that's basically it. Other than that, this was wow. probably the strongest pure retail we've ever seen. So why? I mean, maybe you, we can't tell why, but what are the factors that are driving it and where is driving it and what are people buying? Well, part of it is we've had a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. So our, our normal cadence of people coming back to market has been disrupted now for you know, well over a year. So as, as there are people sitting on the sidelines, they start hearing these reports that, that you're talking about. There's tire shortages and new car shortages, and, and we're going to be running out of cars. And so there's a lot of FOMO out there, the fear of missing out, people wanting to get in the market. And they've been on the sideline for a while now saying, I can't wait any longer or I'm never going to get a car. But dealers are charging ridiculously high prices. I mean, I've had people going into places like dealers in California, and they're charging $20,000 above MSRP for a new vehicle that's highly sought after, like a Hyundai Palisade. So people are obviously willing to spend the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. They are spending the money. But the thing is, is they're getting a lot of tailwinds that are helping with the payments. And that's really what, what ultimately it comes down to. So interest rates are so low and trade-in values are through the roof, Nick. 
Um, you know, there's, there's so few used cars out there that if you have a, a trade-in, you're getting such a good value for it that those factors are offsetting the prices that consumers are paying. Payments are only up 6%. Transaction prices are up 12%. All right. Uh, what's hot? What, what is selling? What segments are, are really hot? And then, and then I guess the following-up question would be what's not hot? <laughs> well, correct me if you've heard this before, but of course SUVs are hot and, and remain hot. Um, most of the SUV segments are, are performing particularly well. The small SUV subcompact, the, you know, the smallest ones out there, the Chevy Trax and the, the Honda HRVs, um, continues to be the hottest segment really in the industry. Um, it, its sales uh, year-to-date are up 80%. Um, and, and also we're seeing some very big numbers from large SUV, I mean, your Tahoes and Suburbans and Expeditions. People are driving on vacation. They need something to haul the family. It uh, looks like large pickup trucks didn't do as well. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not performing well, but we don't have any. Um, when we look at, at inventory right now across the country, and that's, that's really the big story, inventory levels are cut in half. And the automakers that are suffering the worst, Ford, Chevy, Ram, and you know what they sell? Pickups. Right. Um, they're out of pickups. Um, and so it's very hard to find those right now. That, that's the worst hit in the industry for inventory is on the pickup side. Now, it looks like premium segment, uh, which you would think people maybe want to buy realistically and not uh, unrealistically, but premium segment is looking ridiculously well. Yeah, and that's something we've been seeing for a while. And, and it goes back to, you know, consumers have been sitting at home, people in the laptop class like myself that don't have to be in an office that can do their job from home. They don't have those expensive vacations and, and, and other uh, drains on their, their money. Their income's been strong. And so what are they doing? They're buying premium and luxury cars with it. You know, they're going out and, and getting that car that they've been eyeing. And what we actually see, Nick, is the higher you go in transaction prices, the stronger sales get. It's a crazy phenomenon right now where, you know, their $80,000 vehicles, they're up almost 100%. It's crazy the, the amount of disposable income, uh, especially affluent consumers have right now. Are expensive foreign cars also going up? Like, are you seeing are, are Lamborghinis hot right now? Like the the really the you know the the big ones of the industry. Yeah, that end of the market, um, it, it hasn't been performing well right now. But inventory is so low. I mean, you take someone like Bentley. I think there's maybe 400 Bentleys in the entire country right now for sale. Um, and so it, it's they've they've sold out. They were doing very well. In fact, that end of the market, super premium. Uh, was the fastest growing part of the industry last year uh, in Q4, uh, but they just ran out of inventory. They don't build them very quickly, right? You think how many Lamborghinis are built in a year. Yeah. You sell out, it's going to be a while till we see more Lamborghinis. How are people paying for this? Are they paying cash? Are they financing? Are they leasing? What's, what's the premium way that people are using to finance their new car, truck, or SUV? Well, we see a lot of shift towards financing. Of course, we have these these very low interest rates, and so that's sort of uh, drawing a lot of consumers into to that. Um, what we're really seeing suffering are, are leases. Um, you know, once we started this shift to work from home, consumers are saying, you know, maybe I don't need to re-up my lease or maybe I don't even need a second car in my family anymore because I'm not going anywhere. Um, and so we're seeing that lease penetration has been down and remains down. And in fact, the kind of leases that people are getting has also changed. People used to get the 12,000 mile a year lease. I mean, that's been the gold standard for decades. Well, that's now changed. 10,000 miles a year is the gold standard of leasing now. That, that's what consumers are getting. 
Interesting. Where in the country it stands out for uh, for sales versus uh, other places? You know, what's what's a hotbed for transactions? Um, there, there's kind of like an L shape in the middle of the country where, where things uh, have have been doing better than than average. Um, so between like Chicago down to Houston and over to Florida, that that sort of L in the middle of the country uh, has been performing very well. Um, but when we compare it to a year ago. Um, you know, the height of coronavirus, the panic and the shutdowns, we saw those the strongest on the coast. So Northeast, uh, Pacific Northwest, California. And now if we compare year over year, we'll see that those markets are showing, you know, crazy gains from a year ago. But recognizing that was really small on a year to date basis. It's that L shape in the middle of the country and, and the, the southeast, you know, Miami and, and Tampa and Orlando and others. When you look at your graphs for uh, peaks and troughs, uh, where are you seeing things unusually peak high or trough in the in the graphs? Things that are unusually, um, you know, outside of the normal graphs. Where are you think seeing sort of strange things? Either things not not selling or things selling extraordinary uh, in in the in the graphs. Well, the one of the most interesting stories going on is is the used vehicle prices, and that's the one that is really breaking. Uh, all the, the, the historical trends. Um, you know, right now we're seeing that uh, prices have, have gone up 60 percentage points from where it was last year when they kind of cratered. Um, but, you know, if you're a consumer and you had a car and you, you kind of checked out its value a year ago and it was worth like 18 grand, don't be surprised now if you're seeing 22, dollars $24,000 being offered for your trade-in. Um, and so places like Carvana and Vroom and, and others that rely on this inflow of used vehicles are getting very aggressive to get inventory. Um, and so used vehicle prices are, are, are going up very quickly. That, that's kind of the one thing uh, that's out there. If you can be without a car, um, you know, it's, it's great because there's a great resale market for it. But if you sell that car and you need another car, you're going to be entering a, a very competitive new vehicle market with very few options, new and used. Is there anywhere to get deals, or are the deals done? Are we just going to have to, you know, chew off the uh, the gristle and, and gnaw on it because we have to accept it? There still are automakers that have inventory. In fact, two automakers have more inventory today than they did, you know, two years ago, which was very stable. Uh, you get Kia on the lower end; uh, they have more inventory, and you get Porsche on the higher end. So, two different kinds of automakers. They have more cars today on the ground than they did in April 20, 2019. Um, so there, there's still places where you could find inventory, you know, brands like Alfa Romeo, Infiniti, Mitsubishi, Genesis, Nissan, Volkswagen, they have a lot of inventory and they'll be more likely to deal than other places. You get down to your Fords and your Chevys and Toyotas, you're going to find that there's not a lot of inventory to starters and you're going to find dealers are not being very aggressive with, with their negotiating with you. Any predictions for the future? It, Nick, it's, it's going to be this tight uh, throughout all 21. Um, we're, we're really hoping that uh, we can use some of this capacity we have to start rebuilding our stock levels at dealerships. It's going to be a very long road. I think we're going to see some, some pretty tight, uh, tight inventory and very high consumer prices throughout the remainder of 21. So, um, you know, my recommendation to consumers is work with a dealer. Um, uh, you know, you may find right now that they, they don't have a lot to offer you. But they may know what's coming uh, in their, right. their pipeline, what's coming right. to them, and they could work with you and get you that car. 
Tyson Jomini is the Vice President of Data and Analytics from J.D. Parent Associates. Tyson, we always appreciate you coming on the show and giving us a rounded picture of how sales and uh, leasing, the second-hand market, and, of course, all the segments in the auto industry look. It's an interesting picture. Uh, I think the overall general opinion is if you get the offer that you're looking for on your used car or you get a new vehicle which is in your price range, don't mess around. Go take it. Our auto expert will be right back. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast and many more streamers. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert Radio Show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. Today, joined in the studio, co-hosting with me is uh, our intermediate driver friend, Andy. Uh, Welcome, ex- world. You're excited about this ne- next car. I am excited about the whole show, but this segment has me really happy in the face. Uh, it does, it because uh, you immediately, when you found out we were going to be talking about uh, the Lincoln Navigator, you were like, oh, this song has it, and this song has it, Yeah, and I listened to this rap song that has the Lincoln Navigator. Yeah, and it was one of those cars in the hip-hop community that was a, a cultural formatting vehicle. Yeah, well, there you go. Now you can reference every song that we're going to talk about with mm-hmm. the Lincoln Navigator because Laura Clark is joining us. She's the Lincoln Navigator brand manager. So, uh, Laura, I mean, as one of the portions of training about the Lincoln Navigator, I'm sure that you learn every single rap song that the uh, vehicle is in, don't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that, that is required required uh, part of the, the brand manager job. No, I no, but I do know Andy a lot of those songs, so I feel you with uh, with yeah, that one as well. I think uh, I think Little Wayne deserves a check. yes it's classic (laughs) do you uh we know is that something that sort of crops up in 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 the whole i guess pop culture side of the of the lincoln navigator brand do you do you guys consider that or is it just sort of a byproduct that you're like proud of secretly well we're very proud of it right to be in the pop culture means that you're you know it's being well received and so we are really proud of how well our vehicle has been received and and we're really proud of how well it's been received since especially since the all new launched in 18 model year right it, we're now into the 21 model year and it's still being received really well by clients by dealers by media and that's something we take extreme pride in. And, and when we're, you're working on the Navigator brand, you know, there is just such a focus as the flagship and, and so much pride and so much history that it really is something that the, a lot our team members are really proud of and, and really take extra care and effort into continuing that legacy. I think when I, one of the things of knowing how much work goes into a vehicle everybody always sort of sees it as this massive amount of work that goes into launching a new vehicle into designing it and into doing all the interior exterior infotainment engineering the design the factory everything that goes into just doing it but it doesn't really stop at the launch does it because what happens is i mean by the time the vehicle's launched you're already well into the mid-cycle refresh as far as the design team is concerned uh, and you're already well into, you know, the the next year's refresh things. You're already well into the things that you have decided that need updating because it takes a while for even with CAD technology and and the how quickly you can change things. It still takes time to have those things filtered down. So 
I'll just give you a for instance, the the whole having the Detroit, I think Philharmonic do all the sounds on the inside of the vehicle. If you decide three of those sounds didn't fit perfectly the way that you had imagined that they would or they need updating or they need perhaps changing. I mean, to have the find the right sounds and then get the orchestra back and redo them. I mean, that's a task that might take three months. And so you're, you're somebody's already well into that, um, and it never stops, does it? So you you guys are probably already ten thousand miles down the road, where from what we see to doing the next generation of stuff. And so your job probably never changes. It's never boring in the auto industry, that's for sure. Um, right? We're always we're working on things. Um, but just for example, you know, the Black Label Special Edition that just we made some news about back in December, right? It's just finally hitting uh, dealerships lots. It, it hit in March and April. And that's just a, a, a wonderful evolution of, right, to your point, a work at, uh, some things we've been we've been doing, right? The monochromatic came out in 20 model year. It was, it was very successful. It, it, you know, brought a, a lot of new elements to the, the vehicle and, and gave us our first uh, special edition on the Navigator since the relaunch. And we decided to elevate that based on dealer and customer feedback that they were looking for something similar on the black label. And so um, for the first time ever, Lincoln put a special edition on a black label and it's, you know, been very well received by customers and dealers. And we're really excited that the orders are, are now getting to dealership lots because it's really, again, you know, continuing to elevate that brand and, and give customers some new look and feel and, and uh, to the the navigator I, and the funny thing is the for the black labels that i've been in of the in the lincoln brand the pictures although beautiful do not do them justice and when you actually get in one and you get to be around one the physical vehicle is just astounding and i haven't yet uh, seen the black label um uh, black label navigator but the black label itself physically is is amazing and then i also think about this is i don't know two years ago you showed phone as a key for the first time and now i see all these other companies introducing it and i was like yeah lincoln had that two or three years ago thanks (laughs) (laughs) it's a little late and and you're still doing these such prestigious interiors um, and not just in the first row the second row but in the third row um, and the you know the twenty the, the new vehicles the the center touch screens and all these things are so prestigious. So for this for this new model year, uh, you have updates as well. Yeah. So for the twenty one model year, we are we brought in you know phone is a key. It's it's the or it's, it's come back from the twenty model year to your point. And you know we've just really been it's such a great. Um, work with our all of our designers and everyone. They take the customer feedback and and dealer feedback, and we really work on attention those attention to details, right? Um, and that really is to me what what the team really does well, and what Black Label really showcases as 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 right the the top end of the line. And to your point, just sitting in them is my favorite thing about you know on, is sitting in one of our navigators is the interior. It's quiet. Yeah. It's the craftsmanship, the yep. attention to detail is just amazing. Yep. Um, but so I, that is my favorite thing. Those are very much uh, cur- curated right from our design team. They all tell a story and a theme with our black labels 
And you can tell that when you're sitting in one that they were really well thought out. And uh, again, they can black label continues from Navigator to bring in, you know, our younger clients um, and, and conquest clients, which is great for us. Um, even, you know, after we've launched in 18, we still see the same younger clients, um, conquest clients coming in. And, and that's great for us. I just several things from my point of view is I worked out how much you would have to spend on your um, your vehicle and to actually make it a black label and it would cost you about $25,000 if you did it aftermarket just to tell you <laughs> if you wanted to do all of those That's things off, yeah if you wanted to do aftermarket um, I also want to thank you for the beautiful panoramic uh, roofs you do so much with light and and dark in this the illuminated grills the monochromatic packages they look really absolutely amazing both day and night uh, I would encourage everybody to go test drive the uh, the 21s uh, Laura Clark from Lincoln she is the navigator brand manager um, I am soon getting one out of the uh, test fleet and I am super excited about it I will report back and tell you how beautiful the design features are for 2021 there is more our auto expert on the way not as good as that though you're listening to the our auto expert podcast locally created nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast this is the world's car radio show that has throttle will feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with intermediate driver, Andy. Here I am. Hey, um, have you ever ridden a mo- motorcycle? One, exactly one time. And is that I, with me? No, and I dumped it, and I burnt my calf really bad. And oh, it was good. A bad I'm glad it wasn't with me then. No, uh, I tipped it over. Did you? It was, it was a, now, it was a sports bike. So, you know, obviously I was too top heavy and I got about four feet and then I fell over and then the exhaust burnt me. I cried and then I got ice cream. How old were you? It was a horrible experience. Like 19. And you cried. 20. And you yeah. got ice cream. Yeah. It was oh, horrible, man. It's a sad story. You know who else rides motorcycles? You. Carl Pulley. Oh, Carl. From uh, Honda. Uh, he's going to, he's joining us to talk about a uh, very cool new Honda Civic. Um, it's interesting enough, Carl, when I pull pictures of you up on the internet, on the interwebs, all there is is yep. pictures of motorcycles and three pictures of you, but then about 40 pictures of motorcycles. So you've done well in avoiding pictures of you online, just to let you know. Well, I, I'm just saving the audience. I don't know if people really want to look at me. I, I find that motorcycles and cars are far more pretty than I am. I wanted to see pictures of you. That's why I typed your name into the Googles. And, <laughs> well, I'll have to do a little bit better for you. All right. I just, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'd, let me see if there's pictures of Carl online. Um, the Honda Civic gets the, is this the 11th generation? Yes, it's the 11th generation. The yes, re- it is. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, the 10th generation was a hard act to follow. I mean, in the last five years, we've sold 1.7 million Civics to uh, to Americans and uh, since 1973, Americans bought 12 million Civics. So uh, that's a, that's a, a tough act to follow for the 11th generation. But I think the designers and the engineers have done a wonderful job. When is enough enough, Carl? Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Honda works, isn't it? Uh, this it's it's very interesting because I'm never sort of. Um, I would say Honda has always surprised me, but this was a bigger surprise seeing this vehicle than ever before. 
because the Civic got very adult, uh, where it's always been this yeah. sort of very, um, let's just say, a car for the for the much younger generation. I would actually buy the Civic now because I feel that it's it's very, still a car maybe you'd put your teenager in, but now I would feel like I could own it too because I don't I feel like it's a car for multi generations now, and it looks very adult, but it also it. looks fun um, and and very but very adult. Is that good? I mean, it looks like it could be adult as well as a great starter car. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, the, the Civic has always, you know, generated. Uh, I mean, we're number one with first-time buyers, number one with millennials and Gen Z multicultural customers. So we we certainly want the Civic to be attractive to those people as well. And we just feel as though even younger people are getting a little bit more sophisticated uh, at a younger age. And so obviously the current generation did so well, but to stay ahead you've got to move forward. And so the designers for the 11th generation kind of looked back at some of our, our, our heritage civics and they, they kind of landed on this uh, sense of, of clean and simple and clear and light, something that's refreshing. So they really wanted to, to create this design to be a, a breath of fresh air and something kind of new in the segment. The, the Civic has always set the benchmark for what a compact passenger car could be with all of the safety, all of the features, the roominess, the driving dynamics. And so they pushed the envelope still further. So now this maybe a little bit more mature styling, but still kind of athletically sporty, I, I think will be attractive to, to younger customers as well as more mature ones. Yeah, I think uh, the Civic has also been a sort of a, a no, it's no mess around car. Like it has everything you need and it doesn't do things unnecessarily, right? It has the things that are there. It has the the, in, the muscle. It has the power. It has the the sophistication. It has the, the electronics. But it doesn't do a lot of, ooh, look at me. Ooh, I have all these unnecessary bits and bobs. Uh, it has what you need, exactly what you need, and nothing nothing less and nothing more. That- yes, and I think that the customers are becoming a little bit more um, sophisticated in the, you know, I mean, it's so wonderful that the, the auto industry is providing so much more for customers now. I mean, with the new 11th generation, um, as with the 10th, in fact, is that the Honda Sensing suite of driver assistive and safety technologies is standard. On the new Civic, we have standard um, color touch screens. We have standard um, digital uh, instrument display. Uh, we have standard Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So, yeah, I mean, customers, I think they're, they're, they, they want a little bit more out of their car now, and especially seeing the Civic still serves as our entry-level passenger car. We want it as an entry-level point where people can afford to get into that Civic but still surprise them with the amount of feature content. And one thing that obviously we can't see on radio is the new styling and you had mentioned it's a little bit more mature, and, and yes, I would say so, but I think it's still youthful and sporty in a, in a more athletic way, and it really does look premium, especially from the side profile. The um, the hood is so much longer. We have a shorter rear overhang. There's these wonderful horizontal lines that seem to stretch the vehicle out. So, I mean, people walking up to their brand-new Civic are, are going to be proud of the vehicle. I mean... Um, they're going to want to be seen driving it because it looks so great. 
Um, but in the interior, I mean, uh, Nick, I know that you've seen images of it, and I hope to get you in a car very, very soon. Um, the, the interior is the thing that really blew my mind on the the quality of the materials. I mean, even the switch gear, the way that it feels, the way that it sounds, everything comes to, to hand. But it's this nice, clean and clear design. And one of the elements I'd love to, for your audience to, to go and have a look at is this beautiful new honeycomb design that runs horizontally across the dash. And not only does it look beautiful, it's real metal, honeycomb, um, but also it hides the, um, the HVAC vents. And so it just provides this more clean and clear look that's very sophisticated but very, very functional as well. Yeah, and I, um, I would go back to that and, and say, look, you're never going to convince me that uh, ab absolutely all the safety features aren't necessary because they are necessary. And I think that you've always offered those at Honda. In fact, even down to things like the ACE body structure and those sort of things, you've just always put them in the vehicles because you at Honda have always felt that they're necessary. And I think as standard features, you're putting the things in that I've always felt are necessary. I mean, why should you get in a car and struggle pairing your phone and all those sort of things? Make Android Auto and, and, uh, and Apple CarPlay standard. That, that all, I've always felt that those sort of things should be standard. And if you want extra safety, then you can put those things in. But they should be the base level um, of high safety as standard. I I'm absolutely always believe that. You should never be uncomfortable in a car. You've always made the comfort standard. Uh, and then if you need a little extra, you want uh, more plushness, you want those things, you've always given people the opportunity to step up more trim levels. Uh, if you want some colors that aren't, uh, you know, a little bit, just a little bit more, some more wild colors. If you want more metallic colors, you've always given people the option to step up. You've always given them the opportunity to get bigger engines with different trim levels, with EX and Touring and SI and, and, and even if, you know type r and then type r special edition if you really want to go all the way you've given people that opportunity but the base level hondas have always had a great standard edition of, of stuff in them you've always done that haven't you absolutely and, and you mentioned safety and one thing i want to point out that uh, the new civic introduces a new type of passenger and driver airbag that helps prevent brain and neck injury so it's um, in the driver's side, it's almost like a donut shape. And then in the passenger side, there's this three-chamber design that basically kind of envelopes the head to protect the head um, in more oblique crashes. And also, for the first time, we have um, rear seat uh, passenger side airbags as well. And, and another thing I want, wanted to mention, as you brought it up, um, you know, we will have an SI variant of this 11th generation Civic. Um, we will have manual transmissions in the SI, uh, as well as the hatchback that will be coming up this year as well. And of course, uh, for those Uber enthusiasts, uh, we will have a Type R variant. But, you know, even the standard Civic sedan is such a wonderful, dynamic car to drive. I mean, it comes with three drive modes, Econ for the best fuel economy, normal, and then a, a sport mode uh, for those that kind of enjoy uh, a little bit more spirited driving. Um, but the two engines um, that we have for, for this, uh, this new generation, a two-lead to normally aspirated engine comes in the two lowest trims, um, and then we have a 1.5-litre turbo. Both of those engines get better fuel economy, and then the 1.5-litre actually gets a bump in power as well to 180 horsepower and 177 pound of torque. So it's, it's kind of typical Honda. It's a win-win, better fuel economy, 
plus power, plus more power, and better handling. So not only do you get these kind of you know somewhat premium features as standard, but then you get this premium right. driving experience that is really really fun. Sound like you're on a racetrack. I'm or, or I'm perfectly jealous right now. If you are, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, last question for you before we uh, we have to go, uh, Carl. When are we going to see these in dealerships? So uh, this summer uh, we will have uh, pricing a little bit closer to on sale. But yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend. I mean, if people go to Honda dot com. Um, you can get all the information that we've uh, thus far provided and especially have a look at the images because it looks absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, please visit your dealer um, this summer. Um, right. Go and take one for a test drive. I think people will be pleasantly surprised and hopefully um, they'll be uh, encouraged to buy one. I'm waiting for mine in my driveway. More Our Auto Expert on the way. Thank you, Carl Pauly from Honda. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. OurAutoExpert.com is where they all live. You can hear past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. Uh, Ford had a big press conference uh, earlier in the month to show off a brand new version of the Explorer, America's best-selling SUV of all time. And Lee Newcomb joining us. He is the Explorer marketing manager for uh, the whole of the Explorer line, but specifically here to talk about the new Explorer Timberline version. And uh, Lee, welcome to the show I will tell you that the color is absolutely stunning, but that's just scratching the surface when it comes to the new Timberline version of the vehicle. Uh, this is billed as the most capable Explorer ever, uh, off-road capable, that is. And uh, when do I get to drive it, I guess I should ask you in the first question. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having us on. Hi, Jen. Hope you guys are doing well. Hi. It's uh, uh, it's actually to... Andy sitting in for Jen this week. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, Andy. Hey, buddy. Uh, so, yeah, so um, we're getting right to building them. You can go in and order them today, and uh, Timberline should be on dealers, dealer uh, showrooms uh, here probably by the end of July. So we're excited to get that product out. And you, You're right. The Forge Green Metallic is a great color. It is good color. You, this isn't the first Timberline vehicle you've done, though. You had, uh, you've had some on the, uh, the, the Bronco as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, we do a whole bunch of different series on the Bronco and the Bronco Sport. Yep, uh, but this is our first intro of the Timberline series in our SUV lineup. So uh, we're excited to bring it to customers. So tell me uh, what's different on the Timberline Explorer from a regular Explorer. Yeah, great question. So first of all, it looks uh, a lot different. It's got a real aggressive uh, front and rear end. It's got a uh, almost 8.7 inches of ride height. It's got a really aggressive tread and, and blacked out tire, uh, front tow hooks, uh, and then real steel front and rear skid plates. Um, and it's just, it looks uh, like it can, can get after it in the off-road. And then what you don't see is under the body and the mechanicals, the torsion uh, limited slip rear differential, uh, and, a, and a really great aggressive off-road uh, suspension system. So 
this thing is built to take you on the trails. I love the uh, just the little accents that you've included there. The uh, the thin, I, I guess it's orange or red line uh, just below the grill, and then the orange tow hooks as well. Is that continued in the back? Uh, we yeah, we have the red ember uh, in the front uh, around the tow hooks, like you said, and then we carry the badging uh, carries that red ember as well, and those of course on the uh, D pillars and then on the uh, rear lift gate as well. So yeah, it looks great. Um, I like the idea of uh, having those just, the, the accents are just sort of there, but they don't sort of dominate this. But does it come in any other colors than, I mean, the green, definitely my favorite, but if somebody isn't into the green, can they get a different color? Yeah, we have a lot of great color options. Uh, the other, my other favorite is the carbonized gray, and then we can, of course, get it black, silver, and then star white. So all great colors, and they really look fantastic. Uh, this, of course, built for the outdoor adventurer, uh, those people that like to do sort of weekend uh, trails and uh, maybe go camping for the weekend or that type of thing. The Explorer really has always been that kind of uh, adventure vehicle as well, though. Um, I did learn recently, because every time the Explorer, obviously, when we talked about this before, uh, the, every time the Explorer pulls in behind me, um, on the freeway, uh, you know, the non-roof rail, you know what I was going to say, didn't you? The non-roof rail portion. Mm -hmm. And now every time I, I see the Explorer behind me, uh, when, when, we, when we were told about that, the, uh, the roof rails being missing. So now I'm always looking for the Explorer without the roof rails, knowing that it's not a police vehicle. It's uh, that's that's <laughs> that's a peace of mind for me, I'll tell you. Uh, but obviously this Timberline comes with the roof rails, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, and it also comes with this great aftermarket uh, Timberline off-road performance light kit where they sit in the grill. Uh, and they throw out about 16,000 candela of uh, additional lighting for you when you're on the trail. Uh, so that's a great feature. And then you can also order our Outfitters packages to a uh, couple of those crossbars and, and uh, roof rails. Uh, for some Yakima accessories if you want to take some more gear with you when you're when you're out and about. Oh, I like those. I didn't notice those lights at first, but now that's uh, that's very cool in there. Now, how much does uh, does the Timberline version of the vehicle cost, and when when will they be in dealers? So it starts at uh, forty five thousand seven hundred and sixty five dollars, and that comes standard with uh, a four wheel drive and uh, all of our Copilot three sixty. And it should be in dealers end of July. You can actually go into a dealership now and price one out and order one if you if you care to. And do does this just exclusively gas, or does this also come in a hybrid version? Right now, it's just our gas powertrain. So it's our 2.3 liter EcoBoost engine, uh, which has uh, 300 horsepower on it. So plenty of uh, plenty of horsepower and goes up to 5,300 pounds. So you can take your toys with you. And this is sort of exclusively, I think, uh, made for the sort of the camping guys, too. I also should mention, or not exclusively, but it's uh, perfect for the people that want to do the off-road adventures. I, we also should mention that uh, once you get on the inside as well, the reflection of the whole Timberline uh, imaging goes right onto the inside as well with uh, that, the, the red stripe throughout the inside as well and specific seating uh, for the vehicle as well. So it's not just an exterior look and uh, engineering capabilities. Uh, the imaging is carried on through the cabin as well. Yeah, we do a really, our color materials team did a great job with the deep cypress seating. It's got some heathered cloth inserts to keep you kind of stable in your seat laterally. And then it's accented by some deep tangerine stitching. And then the best feature is, my, is the uh, 360 camera with the front view. So when you're going over those trails and you can't quite see what's in front of you, you can kick on your front view camera and 
dodge those rocks and logs and whatever you don't want to run over. When you said hold you in your seat, you're obviously your uh, in- interior materials people know how I drive. They are. They, <laughs> and this, by the way, puts my uh, my 1980s Eddie Bauer edition to shame. Uh, rest rest in peace, Eddie Bauer. Uh, this is. Well, I'll say that's a classic. That's yeah. a classic. Never shame that one. No, I know, but this uh, this is definitely something I want in my driveway. I'll tell you, it's uh, it's far nicer than, than the one that I used to have in my driveway, uh, Lee, I'll tell you. Uh, Lee, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. It uh, looks like a beautiful piece of machinery, and I was uh, very excited when you announced it. I was there on the press conference uh, watching every uh, moment of it unfold. So congratulations, a new Ford Explorer uh, Timberline version. Uh, if you want to test drive it, you need to go to your Ford dealer and ask them to uh, reserve a copy for you a reserve a version for you and hopefully they might have a test driver otherwise just go ahead and order it there is more our auto expert on the way we're going to find out what's happening stand by you're listening to the our auto expert podcast this is our auto expert radio show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. He's an independent investor and analyst. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. He joins us every week to analyze the automotive industry, EV cars, and autonomous driving. His name, Anton Woolman. We are amoebas in a petri dish compared to what he knows about the automotive industry. Today, sitting in for Jen is uh, intermediate driver Andy, (laughs) my pal. Um, Anton, so much going on in the automotive industry. I just finished ordering my um, Ford Mark E GT that uh, made me have a little bit of cardiac pain after it was around $70,000. But uh, Mustang Mark E is the top-selling vehicle in Europe in May. Yeah, well, almost anyway. So there should be no surprise that in terms of the pure electric cars in Europe, some combination of the Volkswagen Group's vehicles will always be in the number one, given the ID4, the Skoda Enyaq, the ID3, the Audi e-tron, the Porsche Taycan, and so forth. But the surprise entry into the European theater this month, which is really taking it by storm, is indeed the aforementioned Ford Mustang Mach-E, as it is now essentially in second place in Europe, which is quite amazing. When did Ford last have a premium vehicle of any kind uh, anywhere near this, uh, near the top of the sales charts in the countries in Europe, at least in the ones that are reporting daily sales numbers, which of course is not all European countries, but a subset of them, uh, so that we can see the progress of how the sales are going every month. So. We're now, of course, just about halfway into the month of May, and uh, this, I would say, it's a first in a long time, if not almost in our entire lifetimes, Nick. It's interesting because we had Tyson Jomini on from J.D. Power and Associates earlier in the show today, and he was talking about the fact that uh, Kia and Porsche now have more stock on dealer lots this month than they did this time last year, but they're particularly only the order, the only order manufacturers that do. Chevy and Ford and most of the U.S. manufacturers actually are struggling to put stock on dealer lots, but that's obviously not the same case in Europe. Now, so the whole situation with inventories in Europe is right now driven more than anything 
by these supply shortages. And depending on which specific component that was stockpiled by any given auto manufacturer for any given model in any given factory, this will have the entire impact on the result of what's available in stock. So I think it's very hard to draw uh, general conclusions that uh, all manufacturers in a certain region or of a certain brand are hit with the same impact from this because it all boils down to what they have specifically ordered for this or that vehicle. Uh, these are not, as a, you know, as a, mostly anyway, generic components, but they are specially designed to be used and to be uh, uh, entering the manufacturing process for each vehicle. So uh, that is sort of the fundamental issue at hand here, and that's why when you're going down the street uh, almost anywhere, certainly in the United States today, and you're looking at a car dealer that may have had 250 cars on the lot two years ago, and now you're seeing them with the 25. Uh, and that's really what's behind it more than anything else. Is Europe suffering from the same sort of problems that we are uh, um, in general, or uh, do they have better stock of uh, inventory? So on the supply side, uh, it's essentially the same. In other words, on average across all manufacturer and all models, they are suffering from similar semiconductor shortages that the U.S. manufacturers are because all of these components mostly are manufactured in Singapore and Taiwan and in mainland China, and they get distributed globally. Uh, on the other hand, in terms of the demand side of the equation, uh, Europe has uh, from time to time here, depending on which country and which month, month, been a bit weaker than North America because the lockdowns in Europe have on average been uh, harsher on the European consumer than the average of the U.S. consumer over the last uh, many of uh, the pre preceding months. Now, it sounds like uh, the rubber shortage may also hamper production of vehicles. Uh, China seems to have been stockpiling rubber supplies for its tires, but we haven't actually seen this affect us yet. But it sounds like Ford uh, still plan to produce their F-150 trucks, uh, despite the lack of semiconductors and tires, and just stockpile them until they get the tires then the semiconductors that they need. Have we seen a real tire shortage, or is this just predicted? Well, these are the early symptoms, right? I mean, you know when uh, you have a little bit of numbness on the left side of your body, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, may, maybe this is the early indication of a heart attack. So the reality is that uh, when you're starting to hear uh, occasional shortages for certain components, like we had shortages for seats to be manufactured in certain vehicles because you couldn't make enough seat foam because of the petrochemical supply chain from Houston was disrupted back in the third week of January and that lasted for about a month. All of those things are symptoms and they tend to get worse uh, once you see the first symptoms of them unless there is a specific reason why we know that things will have turned around. And frankly, Nick, I don't know uh, whether any uh, such turnaround has occurred as of yet on the tire side. So uh, not having heard anything such specific, I, I sort of have to err on the side of believing that it's probably going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Let's talk about electric vehicle production. Uh, a report from CNN saying that Kia and uh, Hyundai are spending $7 billion in the U.S. for electric car push. That's not necessarily a huge amount of money, not compared to what Ford is spending to electrify their vehicles, but it's still a significant investment in electrification of vehicles. 
really the bottom line on this one is that they're going to make each of them at least one and probably several over time electric cars in their u.s uh, manufacturing facilities kia as you know has a manufacturing facility in the state of georgia and hyundai has one uh, down in the state of alabama and as things go and as uh, local manufacturing preferences that may start to apply to tax rebates and credits in future budget negotiations may come to pass, it will be even more beneficial for Kia and Hyundai to start making some of these vehicles on U.S. soil as opposed to exporting them from Korea as they have been doing uh, up until now. And the first production of the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6 will be made in Korea. So I sort of presume that these uh, vehicles that will be made on U.S. soil probably won't be those, but rather that there will be one of the several models that these two brands are aiming to introduce over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, and that we will start seeing the early production of those occur on U.S. soil right before the end of 2022. There's a general thought that electric vehicles will be cheaper to actually produce um, in the United States by 2027 than gasoline vehicles with uh, some of the subsidiaries and some of the uh, things that are going on to pushing towards electric vehicles. But the game isn't up yet, is it? Do you think they will be cheaper to produce by 2027 or do you think that history isn't, uh, isn't made that decision yet? You know, the one factor, Nick, that you necessarily need to take into account when you're uh, judging that type of, type of a number is what are you assuming for subsidies and, and, and uh, the de facto taxes that go into the equation. If the government puts a mandate on an automaker that says that you have to sell a certain percentage of vehicles being all electric and at the uh, natural, the undisturbed cost, natural cost of producing those vehicles, there aren't enough buyers, then the automaker has to internally subsidize that electric car production by essentially selling those EVs at a lower profit or even an outright loss and then get the money back by charging extra for their non-electric vehicles. So unless you really know what the assumptions are for how the automaker calculates its own analysis for how they will come up with me- uh, meeting those mandates, we really simply cannot know uh, what the true cost is of these things. So I would argue, therefore, that um, those are, are just very academic in terms of when an electric car is going to be cheaper to uh, be manufactured than a regular gasoline car. And oh, by the way, you have to really look at these products are not identical. The electric car A weighs more, will have shorter range, will have longer refueling time, even in the best case scenario. So, And of course, an electric car has all sorts of other advantages. It's smoother, uh, fewer moving parts, may involve less service over time. So the cars are not identical. Each of them have some pluses and minuses uh, that may uh, fit different different people, different uh, uh, you know, different, diff- you know, to a different degree. Uh, so you, you can't really compare them even on an apples-to-apples basis. All right, Anton Woolman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street, and we thank him for being on the show. He joins us every week, and, of course, he is probably the most intelligent person when it comes to autonomous cars, EV, and especially what's happening as far as electrical cars in Europe. Coming up uh, this week, the announcement of the brand-new Ford F-150 electric truck. What do we know so far? Well, this will be called the Lightning. We do know that. 
Uh, we know that uh, this vehicle has been under development for several years. Most of the other facts uh, have been kept secret. Now, I can tell you one fact about it is that Ford uh, will let me see the truck on uh, Wednesday evening. I will be on Thursday morning. I will have the truck uh, in my possession and uh, we'll be showing it to the world via broadcast. So tune in to your local TV station to uh, see me announce it to the world because uh, I will be doing that on Thursday morning and uh, I will be revealing all the facts about the truck um, on Thursday morning because that truck will be alive um, and we will know all about it. There are some incredible facts, by the way, and those will be revealed on Wednesday night. Uh, check out the Ford website for the live stream. More to come, our auto expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people. Oh, maybe I should start that again. Over 12,000 people have uh, downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast, and many more have streamed us. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and Our Auto Expert radio show, this is it. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. Uh, welcome to Intermediate Driver Andy, who's joined us throughout the show. Have you learned anything today? Welcome, world. Yeah. I learned so much about uh, the Lincoln Navigator is my favorite car. Right. I learned about the how Uber drivers are using the Honda Civic Type R's because you got to get to where you're going. You got to get there. Get you know it. What I mean, whip whip. Yeah. So I've, no, I've learned a lot. I feel like two more shows, I'll be from intermediate to moderate. Uh, you also learned how much my vehicle is worth. Yeah, I'm looking over your shoulder over here. That's by the uh, way, that's crazy. Um, my I bought my vehicle for thirty-seven thousand, uh-huh. and now it's worth forty-two. And these, by the way, mine's a prestige, and these are base. Base models. And you didn't even do anything. No. It just went up. Mine's a base model and it's worth 42. Just saying. I bet you take 40. N- used car. You, listen, you got $40,000 <laughs> cash? I and might, could. Had it handed to me right now. Uh, lots of interesting car news. Uh, one of those is right there. It's the, the price of used cars is crazy right now. Uh, a couple of my friends in Sacramento trying to buy brand new vehicles that have been dealer demos on lots. Uh, Hyundai Palisades, which is mm-hmm. the SUV, it's been a dealer demo on lot, 20,000 miles on it, and the dealer's selling it for MSRP, the price of a new one with zero miles on it. And the new ones, they're selling for $20,000 above sticker because you can't get them. It's crazy wow. right now. Crazy vehicle prices. Uh, it's people are paying silly, silly, silly prices right now for for used cars. Uh, just can't people can't find what they want, especially if you want a luxury car. And we just heard that from Tyson Jomini today that that used car prices, especially in the luxury um, Lexus, and that's which, which which I'm selling. Yeah. And you saw how pretty mine looks, and it still oh. needs a little paintwork done, some scratches, dents, and bumps. Beautiful. It's a beautiful car. Um, and perhaps I'll just get everything fixed on it, and then I can ask the price I want. There you go. That's probably the best way. And you're, you were trying to negotiate with me off the air, and you're not even trying to buy it. No, I just <laughs> I feel like I could get in there on an offer. You know what I mean? I, I, I just want to see where you stand. Um, I've been offered 35 cash for it already, and I said, no, I'm not selling it for less than 42. And I'll discount it to 40 because it needs a couple things doing to it, which I'm having done. But if someone wants to take it before I have them done. 
I'd sell it for 40. 38 cash, duffel bag. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, the fastest selling new cars in April 2021 uh, ranked by average days of selling on dealer lots. Do you know what they are? Mm. You look at the list now. <laughs> no, I didn't. What's the point of me doing this, playing this game, if you're just going to read my list? I didn't over my even. Shoulder? I didn't. No, I don't see nothing. No, all, all I see is one word. Chevy Corvette, nine point two days on a dealer lot for eighty-seven thousand nine hundred three hundred ninety dollars is the number one selling vehicle. On nine days on a lot. I feel like people are unloading trucks and they're just going. That's yeah. It seems like a week on a lot. It seems a long time to me. I don't know. Number two, Jeep Wrangler 4xe. That's the uh, electric, plug-in electric hybrid version. Hold on. There's a Jeep electric? Plug-in electric. What? So it does 21 miles on electricity, and then it goes to gas. And not only do they have electric electric cards, number numero dos on the selling list. On this top selling wow, list. There's not no that idea. many out there. Though. They've only... Ooh. Just hit the microphone. Sorry, uh, they're 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 just starting to produce those now. Hmm. Number three is the Kia Telluride, and we heard from Tyson that said he told us that Kia have more stock on the dealer lots right now than they did this time last year, and that maybe doesn't paint an honest picture because maybe they didn't have many this time last year. But uh, if you want to go out and buy a Kia right now, it's probably a good deal. Hyundai Santa Fe is number four. Lexus IS, number three. Toyota RAV4, uh, sorry, number five. Lex, uh, Toyota RAV4 is number six. Best-selling, it's only on dealer lots for 13.7 days. Cadillac Escalade, get down with the rap songs. Yes. At uh, number seven. Number eight is the Kia Carnival. That's the new... Um, the MPV, they don't want you to call it a minivan. It has sliding doors on the side, but it's not a minivan. It's a multi-passenger <laughs> uh, multi vehicle. Oh, no. come on. Yeah, something like that. And uh, then the Toyota Tacoma, 15 days on a lot. Uh, the GMC Yukon is uh, 10 days on a lot. That's number 10. What are the fastest selling used cars in April 2021? Ranked on the average days selling uh, and the average price. BMW 2 Series. That's interesting. That that, interesting. that goes the fastest. Then the Mazda MX-5, that's the Miata. I can see that. They're very reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. uh, their average price is around $23,500. Chevy Corvette, still in the top three top for used three. vehicles. Yeah. Midlife crazy. Uh, Hyundai Palisade, Kia Telluride, number five. Number six, Tesla Model... Oh, I feel a little bit nauseous. Tesla Model 3, uh, Mini Convertible, uh, Honda Civic is number eight. BMW 4 Series, number nine. And Honda Civic Sedan. The hatchbacks are number eight, the stands are number 10. So Honda's are big sellers. That's just super interesting there. Uh, you know, the other vehicle I've been test driving this week is the uh, Toyota Highlander. They have a new trim level, by the way, for the Highlander, uh, the XSE, which is their sporty. Doesn't, look at the picture of this. Doesn't, do you remember Battlestar Galactica? Yes. Doesn't it look like a Xylon? Oh, my gosh. It does look like a Oh, wow. The that's Zylon, insane. The, the, the robots that where they went I don't do a very good impression. <laughs> yeah, what'd they do? Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh. You remember that noise you used to make? It's so cool, <laughs> the XSE. It's kind of a sporty um, XSE grade now. It looks really, really cool. Did, uh, when I came to pick it up at the airport, the guy that worked at Park and Fly in Portland, uh -huh. his boss had a 2019 and this 2021 was part next to it. He goes, oh, look at the difference. Doesn't your XSE look really cool next to my boss's car? I'm like, you want to keep your job? You can keep your voice down, mister. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> Zip it, Mr. Zippy Longstocking. Um, <laughs> One million dollars. Uh, yeah, it looks really cool. And, uh, you know, it comes in a hybrid and non-hybrid. Uh, the 
I think they've done a really, really good job at how this looks. The fog lights embedded at the front. There's nothing on the front of this car that doesn't actually do a job. Inside packed with luxury, a 20-inch wheels. It had so much aerodynamic stuff on there. It really reduces the wind noise as well. They've done a just a really amazing job about how this vehicle drives. Um, yeah. I love the big screen on the inside, the Honda sensing system, uh, loads of room in the back. I know we looked in the back of it when we drove it over here today, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff that got put in the back. We didn't even <laughs> know it was there. Some kabuki dolls and stuff from Japan, I think, were in the back seat. When you went to Japan? No. It, my oh, my other it. half brought them back from Dad's house. Got so it. I'm not sure what kabuki dolls are doing in the back of my Japanese uh, SUV. Bad luck <laughs> right now. Is it? <laughs> I think so. Oh, you can drive home. No, <laughs> no, you can't. I see how you drive. Yeah, don't do um, that. So, really cool car there. All right. If you want to uh, find out more about the show, just go to our O U R Auto A U T O Expert E X P E R T dot com. There you can read insider car stories about your next ride. There's tons of great articles there by Perry, Mike, and Arv, uh, Bill and Barbara Schaefer as well. You can read all those. You can listen to this show if you scroll down to the bottom of the screen you can see the podcast uh, button there just press it and there are over 140 podcasts you can listen to why should you have to suffer when we have to suffer you can listen to all of those if you should want to why would you want to and of course you can see all of our videos from TV stations around the country and don't forget watches on Thursday will be nationwide coast to coast with the new Ford F-150 electric truck the Lightning see you next week You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.